0: Usually I like praying in the beginning myself because then I feel like I get myself in the mood, but this is awesome, too So thanks for that no, um, Okay, we'll jump right in how was reading Ephesians? Okay, you all read it y'all liked it Okay, also by the way, there's three girls from SBS sitting in the back and if you see them if you see them on campus <laughs> if you see them on campus, like they might have to sneak out during the lecture or like during the session. But if you see them on campus, talk to them, ask them about their BS, ask them what they're learning, because they get so much revelation, and all you want to do is usually share it, because you need to get it out, so just ask them. Um, okay. I mean, usually Mike brings us candy. I brought something else. Who likes papaya? Okay. You get one? Just hold on to it. Just hold on to it. Sorry, they're really hard. I bought them this morning. I didn't think who else was... Okay, I didn't think they were going to be this hard, so I hope we can actually use them for what I want to do with it. But, I mean, if you want to eat it, feel free to eat it. You can share with other people, too. Okay, you can eat it, though. <laughs> okay, just hold on to it. But... Actually, I need one guy. Luke, can you come up here and cut this? Just cut it in like half. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, what do we see? Seats, right. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about... Okay, this has nothing necessarily to do with Ephesians. I'm just kind of trying to get us talking about the Bible in general. Because I only got a few times to do this. So I'm just going to use the time. But, okay, we see seeds in here, right? Okay, these last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about worldview, about, like, the belief tree and all of those different things, remember? And, like, the outcome, technically, that we want with the belief tree is the fruit, right? It's, like, the best thing. Like, that's kind of what represents the soil that we have, the trunk, the branches, and so on. So, like, DTS is a lot about, like, getting the right fruit, Like you all are here to see the right fruit, like the good fruit at the end of DTS, right? And so this is what you've been given. You get the fruit in your hand, right? But what is actually in there is seeds. And what are the seeds for? More fruit, right? Multiplication. So the reason why you actually all are here, sorry to say that, but it's not for yourself. It's also for yourself, but it's not just for yourself. And the reason why, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why we study the Bible, is not just so that you learn something about yourself, but because of the seeds that come out of your fruit, that's for multiplication. You're not just here for yourself, you're actually here for so, so many other people. But we'll get to that later. You can put the fruit down, but hold on to, or like, have it by you. Okay. Let's get talking about the Bible. Who has read the entire Bible in here? Also, there's another visitor in the back. Hi, Justin. Um, okay, who has read the entire Bible? Okay. There's no shame. You are, I know I already did a survey today, so I'm just going to keep going. Um, Question for you guys. I just want to brainstorm about this because usually what happens is that we all talk about needing to read the Bible, but we don't end up doing it. And we kind of need to figure out, like, why do we not? And to be honest, what I've realized is that the reason or like we become we get into this weird thing of like we don't talk about not reading the Bible because we're all supposed to do it. Right. Everyone tells us it's so good. Everyone tells us it's important. It does so much to your lives to know God. But why do we not read the Bible? Kind of shout it out. Like, what's been stopping you from reading the Bible? Lack of discipline. Good. You don't understand it. Don't know where to start. What? what? Time management. Can be boring. Yeah, it can be boring sometimes. Let's be real. Been there, done that. Mm -hmm. More questions than answers. It's the truth, and we don't want to hear the truth. Right? It's convicting. It makes us change our life if we actually apply it, right? We need to get out of our comfort zone, maybe change things about how we live. Okay, who in here feels like their church or their Christian community actually equipped them on how to read the Bible? Okay, there's a few. That's awesome. Because I honestly didn't feel like it. I grew up in church. I didn't feel I didn't know how to read my Bible. Didn't really want to do it. I knew I was supposed to, but didn't know where to start. All these questions, right? Do you guys think that you have the authority to interpret the Bible? Justin says yes. I guess he does it. Then is he right? Who said yes? Okay. Why? Why do you have the authority to interpret the Bible? You could be wrong, right? Holy Spirit guides you. Okay. This is an open space. You can tell your opinion. We're not going to kick you out of DTS. I think, right? We <laughs> might, but okay. I think that we have the authority to interpret the Bible, but I also think that. We all are from, like, a Christian background, right? We've realized this. But most of us, the majority of us, feels like we've actually not been equipped in reading the Bible. And I feel like we've also kind of, like, been, like, gotten this stigma of, like, you're not allowed to interpret the Bible because you could be wrong. You don't understand the Hebrew. You don't understand the Greek. You don't understand the context. You don't really have the knowledge to find it out. You have to get a degree to do it. You have to be a pastor to do it, Right. But, guys, we have actually been given the authority by God and by the Holy Spirit to interpret the Bible. And that is because it makes us get to know God. It gives us the truth, and it's what we need to sustain our walk with God. It's not an option. It's what we need to do. Let me give you a few facts. Less than 10% of, 10% of the church worldwide have read the entire Bible. And also, by the way, you can read the, read the Bible in 72 hours. We can access God's Word to read virtually any time, night or day, in 90% of the world right now. The problem is that we don't. And then think about it, like, we actually talk a lot about Bible distribution. I don't know how it's for you guys, but for us as staff, we've heard it a lot these last few months. Lauren has this vision of getting a Bible in every home, and we want to partner with that. We go on our reach to distribute the Bible. We track the Himalayas to bring the Bible to other people. But what are we actually giving them? Can you actually give them a feedback on what you're reading because you actually haven't maybe read it? Are you handing something out you haven't read? Just trying to get us like talking about it, you know? And let's get the, let's get the shame away from we're not reading our Bible. The exist- existence of the Bible is actually one of the greatest miracles. The fact that we have the Bible, how we have it, is an amazing miracle. Because over thousands of years, there was groups over and over again. Because the enemy knew that it was truth. He knows. And he knows what you're reading. So he tried to destroy the Bible. And people gave their lives to preserve it. And the fact that we have it on our phones and in books and we can get it for free is a huge miracle. It's written by at least 40 different authors in three different languages in over seven different countries and provinces provinces in a time span of more than 1,500 years. And yet there's no theological contradictions. I mean, sometimes we might think there is, but then we need to hash it out and ask the Holy Spirit. But what is the Bible not? It's not, sorry if this throws you off, but it's not a book that teaches you how to behave. It's not a book that gives you morals and values only to give you like a tutorial on how to do life. Because then you could watch YouTube videos. Let's be real. Because the Bible is written by normal people. YouTube videos are made by normal people. The book is a story from cover to cover. It's a story of God's people and their relationship with their creator and how he redeems them. Okay. But then why do we study the Bible? 2 Timothy 3:16 to 17 says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. And just because I have the mic, I'm going to throw in a, some personal testimony. Because three years ago, I was in the same position as you guys. I was sitting in my DTS. I was in R-H at this point. Um... And I was not growing. I was not getting breakthrough. I was so frustrated with God. I kind of knew him, but I felt like this whole time, I was like, I want to grow. I want to get breakthrough. I want to fall in love with God. And I wasn't. And I was so angry, so, so angry all the time. (laughs) And I felt like I was supposed to read my Bible, but I didn't. And I didn't because people, I knew people at home, my parents and everyone else would be telling me to read the Bible. They're like, if you want breakthrough, go to the prayer room and pray and go read your Bible. But I was proud, prideful, I was proud, so I didn't do it, I should have, until my debrief in Uganda on a rooftop, and that's a different story. But I ended up, through another miracle, I ended up doing SBS last year, and I mean, we've talked about it a lot, SBS is a nine-month Bible school, you go through the Bible like around five times or more, and um, what happened in my heart is two or three main things First of all, I remember one day just walking back from a friend's house right down there in the dark. And I realized for the first time in my life, I had a hunger for righteousness that I had never experienced ever before. I never hated sin as much as that time when I had been in the Bible for like six, seven, eight months by then. Um, And I just, I just hated sin. Like, I was like, I, I just couldn't bear it. Like, I could have, could have started crying, and I'm not a cryer, but I could have started crying just by seeing someone lie or not have integrity. And it's not because of me. It's because of what the, the Word of God did through me. It's not just a normal book. It actually has power because it has the Holy Spirit in it. And then another thing that happened was that I came here, back here to Kona for SPS, really, really, really broken, really hurt, had been in a relationship. Right before that, and um, was just super, super hurt, and everyone told me like, "How crazy are you to go do a super stressful Bible like school? Why are you not getting counseling? Like, go back to Kona, live in a great community, get a mentor, get counseling. Like, what the heck are you doing that you put that extra stress on yourself?" But to be honest, it was the best decision I've ever made, because just by reading the Bible. But because of, like, being in the Word and closing all the other gates, and remember when we had Tom come in and talk about the hours, um, I all of a sudden had a shift from, like, I think I did, like, 60 hours in the Word every week, and normally it's, like, 70 hours, like, with media and stuff like that, right? And it just changes you. And I never thought I was going to be the person being passionate for the Bible and standing here today and really trying to bring this across, that the Bible is good news and the Bible is truth and we need to read it. That was my little pep talk uh, before we get into Ephesians. But what my illustration is, Zion said this right, is that in order to eat that fruit and in order to multiply it and bring it to other people, you need a tool, right? Right? You need to cut it open so you can actually eat it, because otherwise, like, you can't eat it. You can't multiply it, or it's really, really hard. It makes it really hard. It's possible, but it makes it hard. So when you guys sit in here Monday afternoons, or when you're in the prayer room, same with intercession, same with worship, we guys, we are here to give you tools so that you can do it yourself. We're not here just to unpack Ephesians and try to like get a bit of revelation and application and change my life a little bit. But we're here to give you tools so you can study the other 64 books that we haven't studied in here. Okay. Ephesians. Finally. I want to hear from you guys. What do you think could be like the main theme of the book? Or like some repetitions or some key things you see? Just shout it out. Some things you've observed. Yeah. God's grace. Encouragement in what way? Also, did you hear the change of what he said first? And then what he said second? First, he said, we. And then he actually corrected himself. Maybe you didn't notice but he said. His brothers in Ephesus. That's a really important thing that we're going to look at. Because remember what Mike taught us? The Bible is not written. you remember? To us, but it is written. Identity. Good. Super, super good. So because of identity and all the other things. There's a way to live after that. Spiritual warfare. What does he call the people in Ephesus that he's writing to? There's a few things that he calls them. The body? Yeah. What else? Children. Children like what? Children of what? Children of light? Yeah, and what else? Saints? And the other children thing? There's one specific thing I want. What is the song we always sing right now? God. Right. So, we all sing that song, right? What does this actually mean? We all sing it, right? We all sing it, like, very enthusiastically. a declaration? What, what? What's behind that? Authority? Really good. Obedience? Relationships? In what way? Yeah, good. He, it's like some practical ways. Uh, just relationships? And so... Um, I'm just going to unpack this. The epistles usually are like we can all, most of the times we can see a structure in a book, in any book of the Bible. We try to kind of see the overall picture, and we try to break it into smaller structure. And what happens with the epistles very many times, especially with Paul, because he's a Greek thinker and he thinks very like kind of like us, very organized, or at least like me. Um, And he usually has like theology, and then application. And Ephesians is like a really, really good book to see that, and we'll unpack that in the coming weeks. But you might have seen that maybe, I don't know if you did or not, but chapters around 1 to 3 are more like theology. He's unpacking something that he's saying, like not preaching because it's a letter, but you know he's like saying something, he's making a point. And then chapters 4 to 6, he goes into application, and he talks about because of what I just told you, it must have a result. And someone already said this. Because of identity, there's a life you have to live after that, right? And so in Ephesians, especially, it talks about being children of God and it affects our relationships. So the first three chapters actually talks about how it affects our relationship with God, with, with Christ. And then after it talks about how it affects our relationships with one another. Make sense? Write it on, like just God and then one another. Awesome. And one fun thing I didn't know—I read this in a commentary—is that super cool. The first three chapters, when he talks about our relationship and like how we relate to God through Jesus, he talks about Jesus as Christ. And when he talks about our relationships with one another, he talks about Jesus as our Lord. He says the Lord, and it's because He is the Lord over our relationships but in him as our like savior and redeemer, he is Christ and how we relate to God. Does that make sense? Maybe observe that when we go through the book. Anything else? Children of God. So I also want to challenge you. When we sing those songs, like I am a child of God. I'm no longer slave to fear. We kind of get the, the, like I'm no longer slave to fear. That kind of makes sense because we talked about like perfect love, casting out all fear and stuff like that. But, we sing this part that we might not understand really. Or like we kind of have to actually think about what we're singing. Because when we're singing it and we're declaring it, we're actually also saying like we're making a commitment and walking things out in my life. Because I'm a child of God, I'm no longer a to fear. But that's not just a passive thing that happens to us. It's something we actively are supposed to walk out. Also, then, like if we know that we're children of God, how is it actually affecting us? How it is affecting our behavior and the people around us. Because it has consequences when we live in that reality of being children of God. Um, And I think this book is just a really good book to show, like, you need to have a really steady foundation in the good times. Because once it gets shaky, you need to know who you are. And that's why I think it's so awesome that Mike started this book last week. Because we were talking about identity this week right? If we realize who we really are right now in a time when there's a lot of good soil around us and we're like growing fruit, we need to embrace that. We need to do something about it now because there will be times when it's not that fruitful, not to, to threaten you or anything, but it will happen. This is real life, right? We need to stand on the foundation that we've built and the identity that we know about, that we've learned about in good times. Let's get into the historical context. And I know Mike already talked a little bit about it. No, you're good. Um, so Mike already talked about this, so let's just kind of go over what he talked about and maybe go more in-depth, because he kind of did it at the end of the class. So I just want to clarify before we go into the book. Who's the author? It's a letter from Paul. Yeah, it's a letter from Paul. Actually, I just realized something. I got copies for you. And we don't have to go in detail about this, but I'm just going to give you a date. I think it was possibly written around 60 A.D., because Paul talks about his imprisonment, and we know that he was imprisoned. Okay, Justin to has a different opinion on this. We we'll talked to him about it. <laughs> but, so, when you, when you go about something like dating and stuff like that, not like on the weekend, Valentine's Day, but dates, like other dates, time dates, um, you kind of want to look into the book itself and see what is said about the book that helps me understand when this could have been written. So for example, here Paul talks about his imprisonment in Rome. And there's a few different times he was in prison. And then theologians or scholars or SBSers look into the details and try to determine, like, this is a possible date. So I just determined this for you 60 AD, so we are all on the same page. But you can study, thank you, study it yourself and figure it out if you have a different opinion. OK. To whom is it written? Church in Ephesus. What do we learn about the Church in Ephesus already? In Turkey. mm mm-hmm. um, It's in Turkey. It's like the the west coast, and it's like right on the yeah. It's right on the coast, so it's like a port town. A lot of people passing through, so like there's a lot of opportunity for like the faith like to move and spread. So. Is it written to anyone in Ephesus or to someone specific? It's a hard question because it's not a direct letter. But yeah, it's just to the church in Ephesus. So there's different kind of letters in the New Testament. There's like direct letters like Philemon, Titus, and then two letters to to Timothy from Paul that are to specific people. So we already did one of those. And then there is... Most of the epistles are written for specific purposes. Um, so it would usually mean like it's still to one church or like, like a few house churches within one area. Like Romans or Colossians or Thessalonians and so on. Usually something went wrong in the church, so you had to correct it. So Paul is writing a letter, usually when he's in prison because he got time to do that. And then he writes a letter to address a specific issue that's going on. But with Ephesians, it's um, probably our only letter that is not written for like a specific problem that was going on. But it's a circular letter that went around in different churches within the area of Ephesus. And so churches would be like little house cell groups. Um, And they would like have a travel around. And so this is a very general letter so that's why it's easy to apply to our lives as well, and we don't really have to figure out, like, what could, like, be the tiny issues that are going on. Does that make sense? Okay, Oliver already told us some things about the mindset and the culture. Um, Ephesus was a a city that was, like, right by the port, and so they had a lot of trading businesses, had a lot of different cultures, a lot of different nationalities, and, um, because of that, there was just a lot, yeah, like I said, a lot of different nationalities, and all those nationalities bring in their different religions as well. We got that actually a lot here in Hawaii where people come. That's why we see all these different things going on at the same time. This is so annoying with the microphone. Okay, we already started talking about the religions. Do you remember? We'll remember something? It's fine if not, we can still talk about it. Yes. Greek gods. Remember anything specific? Also, please don't look in your study Bibles, because we want to figure this out ourselves. Like, don't look at the section with the yeah, I got you. Yeah, with all the answers. Because that's boring. We don't want to do that. Yeah, he said that um, so, people would take lots of gods in, and when they would take in the power of a god, they need to, to summon on their power by name. And that's why they wanted to know what god's name I do remember Paul saying the name above all names, which is Jesus. Yeah. Anything else? He also talked about not just the different gods, but about like some of the mindset that is going on. Gnosticism? Okay. Good. Does anyone other than Justin remember what that is? Or Morgan. I don't know, he, he didn't talk, I, he mentioned it, but he didn't say it, he didn't go into detail, right? Okay, then we'll just do that. Okay, so, there's a lot of idol worship going on, so if you imagine, like, I mean, even here in Kona, this is actually such a good example, this island, so there's churches all around, right? There's all these um, Christian churches around, then actually there's a lot of, like, other weird churches around that are, like christian church but we don't really know right then there's actually i don't know if you guys have seen it yet but there's a lot of idol worship going on on this island like even if you see like rocks being built up people selling idols especially on the other side of the island then there's a lot of new agey people there's a lot of hippies there's a lot of nature stuff there's the hawaiian gods so even people that call themselves christian there's still Sometimes, maybe not, they still don't say worship necessarily, but believing in those Hawaiian gods from before. Um, And I even remember a story from a little over a year ago. There was a lot of lava flowing in one of the towns on the other side. And um, I just heard a story of like people, like for real, putting, so like some of the town had to be evacuated and stuff. And there's like this guy they met and he had started building stuff around his fence or something like that. Like idols to protect him, so that the lava couldn't like get on his property. So, And so one of the gods would be Artemis, like you mentioned, um, because they, there was like this meteor or something that fell on the city, like way before, and it was black and shiny and it had like, um like, bums on it that looked like female breasts. And so they started worship- They thought it was from Diana or Artemis. It's a Greek name. This goddess. And so they started worshiping women, especially, like, women idols and stuff like that. And they would, like, replicate these little silver rocks from that meteor so that people could buy it and take it home. And I don't know if you remember, we were reading in Acts how they got really angry for Paul destroying the idol worship. And then they built the the temple, and they actually dedicated it to this goddess. And then there was just a lot of disgusting stuff going down. And, like, it it was just disgusting. Like, we sometimes think, like, oh, yeah, idol worship, saw that in Bible movies and stuff. But it was actually, like, there was this temple, and there was thousands of people going in and out. There was temple prostitutes, male and female, because they believed, like, if they slept with one of those prostitutes in the temple, it was fertility and, like, all these different things they believed. And so this idol worship was just flourishing, and there was all these different little idols that they had to call on their name and stuff like that um, to be listened to. And then another thing that he mentioned were the mystery religions, or the secret religions. Do you remember anything about that? So there was like mystery religions, and there was different, like um, how do you say it, like, um, missing the word like things you would have to do to get into that religion. Like you would have to know the mystery. And you would have to like find that our like spiritual like spiritual mysteries that you would have to know like secrets to get into that cult, and then there was like different initiation rituals. That's the word I was looking for. So they would have to do certain things in order to be initiated into that religion. So it could be something like women had to tear apart like baby lambs with their bare hands, or people had to eat like like uh, the raw animals, or they had to be baptized in blood and like bowls blood so the bowls would be cut open and they would have to like in a in a hole stand underneath that and be washed by the organs and the blood to be initiated Yep, yeah, be initiated into the religion and i'm sorry for making all these things so vivid but i do it because it's real and it's actually stuff that we not we but our society there's still stuff like this going on extreme stuff like that like it but but also like smaller things like I was just thinking like this is a stupid example but even peer pressure I don't know if you remember in high school but there were certain things you would have to fit in or do in order to be part of something it's technically the same but it was way more important because it didn't just like um, make you not be lonely or have like a group of friends to hang out with but it was actually like this determined your life religion was so important it was all that your life was about there was nothing else and so um, these mystery religions were just like one part of other religions. And then he talked about the emperor cult as well. I don't know if you remember that. So that was adopted from the Romans. And in that, they technically worshipped Caesar, whichever Caesar like Caesar Nero or Julius Caesar and stuff, as their god. So he was like a human god. Typically. And, um, yeah. and all, most of these things... Now I have to like throw some difficult words out. I'm sorry for that. But I'll write them on the board. And that's why I wanted all of you to take notes. Because otherwise it will be hard to remember some of this for next week. And you don't need to remember every detail. I just want you guys to get a basic overview of what's happening. And this is the city that Paul lived in for like two to three years actually. When he's writing this. That's also why he's writing a circular letter. Because there were so many different groups he knew in the towns he was writing to his friends to the other believers there he started the churches there and he discipled them and that's why he has to write to them now because he knows exactly what's going on and I think also it's such an awesome example of like sometimes we think we need to be in a safe environment we need to like live with other Christians around us and like live in the light but just last week from Jeff we heard that we actually have the light that we need to take into the darkness and like Paul was probably living in the most dark place at this time that existed. Okay, so this is a concept or like a worldview that was really, really important at this time like technically throughout the entire New Testament. So around like a generation or two after Jesus. Because um, this, remember when we talk about worldviews like now we talked about kind of like the worldviews that are influencing us. You have to kind of understand we're reading Ephesians this is the worldview that they're influenced by. Can any of the staff explain what this means? If you remember the last quarter, the the idea that the physical and the spiritual is separated. So this is actually really similar to like the Eastern worldview, just the other side, like like in a different way. But they believe that the physical and the spiritual is divided. This has nothing to do with one another, and like. However extreme you are into that worldview, it would determine like how like how much it influences your life and how actually you think like this is like not even reality, you know? Like what I'm touching you right now. Like I'm not really real. Um, okay, so physical and spiritual is divided and one of them is good, one of them is bad. So they actually believe the physical is bad and the spiritual is good. So what they wanted is that because of this dualism, dual means from the number two. It's this idea that like your body is bad. Like you want to like emphasize the spiritual. You want to get spiritual enlightenment and that's where those mystery and those secret religions come from because you wanted to know the spiritual secret, this other enlightenment, this idea, this higher level of spirituality, because this was good this was bad and the more you get away from like the physical and get more into the spiritual the better so this was bad and this was good so good so far um and because of this there was like different ideas that came from it and it also influenced the christians the believers at this time and that's why paul is writing this it's not just the people that were not believing in jesus but because of what we learned how worldview influences us this is how their worldview influenced them. And so, because of this physical and the spiritual division, it led to different things like, so what happened was that because of this division of physical and spiritual, they thought libertinism technically meant, even as believers, like, you can do whatever you want, believe it or not, like, didn't no matter. You can do whatever you want because your body is bad, it's not important, and because only the spiritual counts, that's why you can do whatever you want. As long as your spirit is good and it's like getting enlightenment, it doesn't matter if you sleep around, sleep with the prostitutes, it's actually good because it helps you spiritually and so on. Um, But it didn't matter if you sinned, didn't matter if you lied or whatever, because the body doesn't matter. Only spiritual enlightenment was important. Good? And then how this influenced the believers is that um, it's called syncretism. So even like how we're being influenced, they were influenced, so... This went, often went into grace abuse. I don't know if you've heard this before, but I think we find this really often, even nowadays, of like thinking, oh, there's grace, so I can sin. My body doesn't matter, right? I can do whatever I want because there's grace. And this is like based on these ideas. And asceticism, oh, and also this is why James is writing his, his letter, because um, he's saying like, not only grace, but also work. And then we sometimes take it as like, oh, I have to work for my salvation. No, 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 that's not what he said. But because of grace, you do good things. And not because it doesn't matter, you can do whatever you want. Asceticism is the opposite. It goes into the other direction. It's technically saying like, well, not in the opposite direction, but it's saying that you have to punish your body because your body is bad. And so then you can get spiritual enlightenment when you punish your body. Um, and this... It's like kind of also an idea that we sometimes have. I find myself doing that very often. Thinking like, I need to fast more. I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more to deserve God's love more. Even if I wouldn't like admit it like that. There's some kind of mindset in me that thinks that, right? It's like, oh, that makes me better. That makes me more spiritual the more I work for it. And that actually comes out of this idea, right? That actually what I do physically is like going to influence. Like it's going to make me better spiritual being. Are you tracking with me so far? Yes. Any questions? <laughs> Trying to, like, explain it as simple as possible, but still kind of explain what's behind them. And this is, like, the worldly thing that's going on. This is not, like, the Christians walking around saying this, but this is what's influencing them in their, in their mindset. And so, because of all of this, new word, it lets, oh, I don't know what to write this. It led to Gnosticism. I'll just erase all this. No, I don't want to erase it. I'm just going to write it on right here. This all is like intertwined. It's not like either or or anything. But so Gnosticism comes from the word, like the Gnostics means the knowing ones. So it's like the more spiritual knowledge you get, the more you're one of the Gnostics. And so uh, um, the book of Ephesians is actually written in a very early stage of this mindset. And we find this a lot. So that's why this is really important for you to understand. To understand a lot of stuff in the New Testament. Because I'll show you how to look something up in a Bible dictionary. And they might just say, la-da-da, Gnosticism, Gnostics. But then you know, oh, it's the same thing that went on in Ephesians, technically. So what happened is that they, means the knowing ones. So the more you knew, um, the more spiritual you were. And this is mostly the Christians. So this is not the world anymore. But this is like the Christians being influenced by the world who actually had that belief. That the more you know, the, the better you are spiritually. Because what was going on is called syncretism, which just means a lot of things going on at the same time. Just like I explained with this island. There actually, Mallory and I, a couple of weeks ago, met this lady who tells us she's going to church. <laughs> Remember this? Yeah, she's going to church and all of this, and she likes it. And we're like, okay, you seem kind of weird. We didn't say this, of course. We're like, we seem kind of weird. There's something about you that we can discern, but you're telling us you're going to church. And then later she talked about, like, all this yoga stuff she does and all these things she's into, kind of new agey. I was like, oh, syncretism. right there." Um, but yeah. So this is like a combination of like Greek mythology mixed with other religions. For example, Greek mythology mixed with Christianity and it leads to this completely like wrong mindset that um, we have to achieve knowledge or try to achieve more and more knowledge and get to different levels. Um So that you can experience God more. Have more of a spiritual experience. And um, in some way. This is like kind of what I was saying about, for example, about the asceticism. Like same with Gnosticism. It's like, and this like belongs together. It's like the more you know, the more you... like. This is more like the more you punish yourself. And this is like the more you know, the more spiritual you are. And it's because it's Greek philosophy. It actually still influences us. Because we're influenced by Greek philosophy. That's why for us it's more... Like, we, it's more easy for us to understand the New Testament sometimes and study it because it's, like, Greek. It's, like, we think Greek. It's, like, very structured. It has points to it. While Hebrew uh, literature is written in circles, technically. This is, like, totally different from Ephesians. But so Hebrew literature, they're thinking in circles. They're not thinking, like, A, B, C. They are thinking A, B, A. A, B, A, B technically and so the most important thing often in the old testament you find in the middle of the book well like in our thinking like you usually find it towards the end right remember in high school when you like thought about like the climax of the book it's like more towards the end in hebrew literature it's right in the middle so if you want to know what's most important in a book read the whole book and find out what's in the middle so i think it's the same with like first and second samuel The story of david is mostly in the middle because it's most important Okay, and so this whole idea of Gnosticism wasn't just like like a flippy floppy idea that was just somehow important, but it actually led to huge misconceptions about God and also huge misconceptions about who Jesus was. Because if God is good, but the physical is bad, how can a good God create an evil world? That was kind of the mindset. How can a good God like... How can Jesus be good if he was human? Because if Jesus was really as good as he says he was, he must have been fully spiritual and not human at all. So for them, it was really hard to understand this whole concept of like actually believing that Jesus was fully physical, but also fully spiritual. Tracking with me? Okay. And this is why when you read like John, one of my favorite gospels. It's so awesome because he's battling this idea that Jesus was not fully human and fully spiritual at the same time. And similar in Ephesus, because John was written in Ephesus. John, like John the apostle, lived in Ephesus. So this is a really similar idea to what's going on in the Gospel of John. Is Paul saying, like, you need to reset your mind on who Jesus really is. He's the name above all names. He's both physical And spiritual. This whole concept of what you're thinking is wrong. And if you think like. Since we're already like talking application points. If you think about it. Like sometimes we do this weird thing. That when someone's like experiencing the Holy Spirit. In whatever way. If it's deliverance. If it's somehow like some kind of physical manifestation. Or if they're listening to the Lord right now. Or if I'm praying. We sometimes put. I'm totally guilty of this. We put it in a spiritual bubble. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, he's praying, we can't interrupt. Oh, we need to whisper. Like, yeah, okay, that's respectful. But that also comes from this whole mindset of thinking, like, my physical is not as good as my spiritual. It's somehow divided. Someone's experiencing the Holy Spirit right now. I can't even touch them or I can't talk to them because I'm going to interrupt what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's such a lie. That's so not true because God made us physical on purpose. It's not like one is better than the other. And that's why also it's not more important to have spiritual, like, experiences, It's both equally important, physical and spiritual, because it belongs together. It's not two separate things. And that's why we, yeah, it's so easy to try to run after experience, fall over in ministry night, or experience the Holy Spirit somehow, physically, or whatever. doesn't matter. Reading the Word of God, with goosebumps or without, is just as important as falling over or not falling over. Speaking in tongues is not more important than reading my Bible every day. So in general, we can just kind of sum it up. Ephesus question. We always okay. This is why we're doing this, what we're doing is wrong. Sometimes is reading the Bible for ourselves, and then we think like, oh, he's making a divided like a division between those two. It's because he's writing to a certain group of people at a certain time in a certain location, location with a certain mindset. And he's such a Greek thinker. Paul is so. I think he was like an internal processor because you can tell in how he's writing. Um, that he was making a certain point could be but because it just gets us uncomfortable because we've always just seen like either you're super spiritual right at this moment but then you're kind of weird if I'm not used to this or I'm have to be completely physical it's hard for us to combine the two and that's when we sometimes get weirded out okay yeah so in general we can say that Ephesus was just super dark super weird super many different things going on but there was a few faithful believers and apparently they were growing because they had to give up their idol worship Um, But to answer Emily's question about where do I get this information. um, I also read commentaries by now, but throughout all of SBS, you're not allowed to use any commentary, which means someone's opinion on something. So even like your pastor at home is actually giving you a commentary most of the time because he's giving you your opinion. I'm somehow giving you after what we're going to do after this now. I'm giving you somehow, like, a commentary. But that's what Jackson was talking about. Like, we want you guys to start writing your own commentaries because you have full authority to interpret the Bible. But in order to help you with that, there is Bible dictionaries, which is something else, and commentaries where you don't get someone's opinion or you get different opinions and they let you choose yourself. And what you do is you go to the library or you knock on the SBS door and ask, hey, can I use your books? And they would love to let you use their books. I did it today. And, um... You look up Ephesians. That's the easiest you can do. And it says Ephesians. And then it talks about introduction to the book, structure of the epistle, authorship and dating, historical setting, theological contribution, and special considerations. And you read it. Then right after this, it talks about Ephesus. So it gives you even more background on the location. So you just read about like what is Ephesus, what's going on there. And then I just printed that out for people. I'll pass it around. You can look at it look at it later, just to get like kind of like in, like a feeling for what a Bible dictionary is. And there's just another one. You don't need to read it now, but you can take this, or I can send it around to the pictures of this. Yeah, blueletterbible.org, I think. Org, right? Um, e is technically, you just don't go to the commentary section or the devotional check- section. You go to the dictionary section. And the same thing, it's not just for this whole book, but you can also just look up different words or different names. You come across Zipporah. Who's Zipporah? So you go under Z and you look up, oh, she was Moses' wife. Okay? Because, like, I know we sometimes say, like, oh, you need to observe and you need to know the context and you need to look up Bible dictionaries, but you don't really know how to do it. So that's why I printed it. And you can kind of get a feeling. But we can talk about this again. And I can send these pictures around. They're not very good pictures, but I can send them. Around. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll only do observation today, we won't do interpretation. Won't get to it. But I gave you the papers so that we we're all on the same page. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and this is what I want this to look like. Or kind of. It doesn't have to be that colorful. But I did this today. Um, I will give you a few observation labels, we call it, which, um, okay, and what we're going to do for the remainder of the class, because we started a little late, I'm going to go a little bit over time, um, but what I want you to do is I'll divide you into four groups, and you will go through each section that I'll give you. And try to find those observation labels. Don't, like, some verses, and it's not each verse, sometimes it's just the words, sometimes, like, one thing can be three different observation labels. Just pick one or double underline it or whatever. And don't freak out about it. You don't have to find everything and stuff like that. Some of the paragraphs don't have, like, the who and the where, and you don't need to do it every time you see it. But what I want you to try to do is to Find out what's important. Why we do observation is not so much for interpretation like, oh, I got this crazy revelation, but it's to get to know the book and understand what's actually going on. And I know everyone like, likes different observation labels. I remember one of my friends, she loved repetition. I hate repetition usually, but I love connective. I love when it says, so that for this reason, therefore... I love when I see that because I'm like, oh, there's a connection. It means that the statement before now is connected to what's coming. It means that there needs to be a result in this person's life because of it.